When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. This is Megan Gibson, and on today's Family Brain episode, I'll be talking with Mandy Majors, founder of Next Talk. Next Talk is an organization that helps educate parents and open up conversation with educators, parents, teachers about what is the next conversation that you need to have with your kids around um, issues around sexuality and things that we maybe didn't need to talk about as early as we do now based because of our digital accessibility to things. Um, so I am super excited to talk to Mandy and I love the sort of forward way that she talks about keeping an open channel between ourselves and our kids so that if kids have questions that come up, they feel comfortable coming to us about those. So Mandy, I am so excited to hear from you about the work you do with Next Talk. I follow you guys on Facebook, and I've been sort of a fan. I am wondering if you could just talk a little bit about how you became interested in the work that Next Talk does, and just tell us a little bit about Next Talk. Yeah, well, Next Talk is a nonprofit organization, and we help parents, cyber parents in the digital world. Um, but we have one solution that we have found that is the um, first line of defense to protecting our kids online. And that's really what we're kind of all about, and that is open communication. And I know that sounds so simple. And I, I know when I first found it, I'm like, well, of course I talk to my kids, right? But we're really talking about creating a culture in your home of communication and conversation where they can ask you anything at any time. Um, I joke when I speak because I really have a dream for parents that they can be driving to soccer practice and somebody can say, what is anal sex? And nobody loses their mind. Like nobody has a wreck. Nobody, you right. know, like starts yes. yelling. <laughs> but, but that you have, you know, in age-appropriate terms for whatever your kids' ages are, you can have a simple conversation about it and a calm conversation. And so that's kind of what we're setting out to do. 
Um, I got started on this journey five years ago. At that time, I had a fourth grade daughter, and she's my oldest, and she's getting ready to go into high school now. But um, at that time, she was in the fourth grade, and she did not have a phone. And my plan was, you know, as I knew things were kind of changing in the parenting world because of cell phones and technology, um, I was kind of aware of it. And so in my mind, I thought, I'm just going to not give her a phone until probably high school, you know. I'm going to make her wait, and that's going to keep her safe from that online stuff that I don't want to have to deal with. Well, in fourth grade... Um, a child had watched a pornographic video at his home, and he proceeded to tell my daughter about it in graphic, very graphic detail. Um, and it wasn't a, when she came home and asked me, it wasn't a, where do babies come from, or birds and bees question. I mean, it was a very highly sexualized question that she asked me. And after she asked me, I had found out exactly what had happened. And that was kind of like my light bulb moment. Right. You know, that I can delay the phone as long as I want. And I feel like that's every family's choice when their kid is ready for a phone. But I can't delay the conversation. Like, I cannot. Because they are going to be exposed to things. And I want to bubble wrap them. And I want to protect them. But that's just not the answer. Because that makes us helicopter parents. And that is not going to help our relationship. And so really, we're, we're really passionate about creating this calmness about conversation in our home. That's really what we're about. I love that. And I love the idea that it's nothing is off topic. You know, I think sometimes there's yeah. things that as a parent you might be comfortable with, and then there's the whole list of things you're not super comfortable with. And so what do you recommend? I mean, how do you recommend people sort of get started on this? You know, like where... Well, Here's the list of things well, I'm not comfortable with. And then how do you get more comfortable? I love that you said no topic is off limits because I can tell you've been following us on social oh, media. Oh, yes, yes. I... <laughs> um, yeah, that's a big thing for us. So if, if they're starting to ask you a question and it makes you very uncomfortable and you find yourself kind of sweeping it under the rug and not answering it, that's a red flag for you. Do I have something from my past? I know for me, I had a lot of regrets in my past as a child. And so when my kids would ask me something, I would immediately go back and I would start feeling shame and guilt. And I had to kind of work through that on my own because I want to be able to be, to talk with them and not shove things under the rug because it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I do tell parents too, you know, if you ever get asked a question and you don't know how to respond, it's okay to say to your kid, can you give me a day to think about this? Because I want to give you the answer, but I want to give you stuff that you can handle. Like, I don't want to give you too much too fast, but I want to answer your question. And so, you know, call a mentor or, you know, if you're the praying type, you can pray, you know, whatever you do to kind of get yourself ready, but always go back within 24 hours because that tells your kid their questions are important. Um, And so that's a really, really important thing. Um, I would say also, you know, if you have older kids and and maybe you're not talking about the online world or you haven't talked about pornography or, you know, whatever, cutting, anything that's happening around you that you're aware of but you're not talking about it, you know, go to them and just say, you know, I probably should have brought this up sooner and I'm sorry I didn't. I just didn't realize how important it was. You know, sometimes if we start with like, I'm sorry I didn't do this, it kind of helps them open up a little bit. Are there any guidelines you have for developmental levels of what conversation makes sense at what time? 
so we have on our podcast, I, I have a 14-year-old and 11-year-old. So those are the ages of my kids. And I'm writing and speaking in real time. Like I will, I'm learning something new every day about what helps my kids talk to me more. And um, we have people on our team. So my co-host on our radio show and our podcast is Kim Elric. And she has the youngest kids on the team. Her kids are ages four to eight, I believe or nine, and she talks from a much younger perspective. So she's always saying, when we talk about these issues on our radio show, I'll say, this is what I'm talking about with my you know, daughter who's on social media, and she'll say, and this is what I'm talking about with my four-year-old, because I know someday she will be on social media, and I want to instill this in her now at this basic level. And so she really talks about that, and then we also have Holly um, Bristol and Kim Nichols. They have high school and college kids. So they speak from an older perspective. So we do have that represented on our team, and we do speak into the different ages. Our new video series will also have some of that, um, too. We have a new video series coming out in the fall. Wonderful. Well, and one of the things I've noticed in my own family, so right now in the car, we are watching The Wonder Years, which is a show I loved when I was younger. And it's perfect for my son, who is going to be 11 soon. Kevin Arnold, I believe, is in seventh grade. And it's just, it's sweet. It talks about his crush on Winnie Cooper and, you know, but I also, but there's also some things that are a little, you know, more advanced, but fine for an almost 11-year-old. Well, my daughter is also in the car and she is six. And so it's tricky sometimes with um, mixed age groups what I I sometimes wonder if I'm exposing my daughter to things too fast because I'm trying to make sure her brother has information maybe I shouldn't do well, it in the car <laughs> you know and some topics of course you are going to have to separate because there is a gap and I'm right there with you because I have a 14 and an 11 and we are just now with my 11 year old getting to the point where we can Almost, there's a few things we haven't covered yet, but we can almost talk about anything as a family now without having to, you know, tiptoe around him. Um, but my daughter's really sensitive to that. She knows what he knows about and what he doesn't, and so we kind of do that. But there's, I, I do want to say, you know, be aware of this because people, kids with older siblings, they are going to be exposed to more. They just are. And, it, I mean, because of their older siblings. I mean, those conversations come in. And, you know, when, you're, when your kids are going over to sleepovers, remember that. You know, if there's older kids in the uh, house, they yes. need to be exposed to more. And just keep that in mind on play dates. You know, if you're going over to somebody's house and there's a lot of older siblings in the house and you're, your oldest is 10 and the youngest in that house is 10 and they have older, there's going to be some, some exposure there. Um, and it's nothing to fear. It's nothing we need to panic about. It's just we need to be prepared for the conversation. No, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, and in some in some ways, it probably benefits them that they, you know, are equipped. But sometimes you just wonder if it's if it's too fast. You know what? Though it is so cool to see my daughter pour truth into my son. It is really cool. And um, that is really cool. And then also, we just took a road trip, right? And so my kids were watching. Um, we have AT&T and DirecTV, and so we were able to live stream something, some TV shows. And they were watching a show live on TV. And there was a section that was like a new thing for my son. 
And I didn't know it. They were watching it together. Well, my daughter took off her headphones, and she's like, hey, Mom, this segment just happened. I want you to watch it, and then I need you to have a conversation with Bubby about it. And so I did. So I watched it, and it was fine. You know, it was something he didn't know about. And then I, we all turned off the phone, and we had a conversation about it. But it's kind of cool to see the older sibling kind of take on that parental role a little bit and just kind of protect and initiate the conversation. It's, it's kind of cool. That is cool. I love that. Um, it's interesting to me because I've been talking to some other people who are, you know, talk about cyber parenting and talk about um, just screen limits for kids. And in some ways, I feel like while open communication might sound overwhelming, really it's kind of the catch-all because you can install all kinds of apps to limit the time or or be really aware of what, what different um, apps your kids are on or games they're playing. But they really could be exposed to this kind of thing, like you're saying, anywhere. At school, somebody could tell them something or somebody can show them something. And the communication is really the bottom line. If you don't have the communication, you don't really have any any supports in place. Absolutely. I mean, I hear, I get calls all the time. I have filters on my computer. I have all of this stuff. And then my kid went to the neighbor's house and saw pornography. And he didn't tell me because we didn't talk about it because I had the filter and I didn't think I needed to talk about it. And I get that story over and over again. And I'm not against filters at all. In my mind, it's a tool in your tool belt. Use it. Use all the filters. Use, you know, whatever you want to do, tools, you know, apps, technology. Use that to monitor your kids. But at the end of the day, it's the communication. That is that is what is going to save your kids from being exposed to stuff online or in the world or wherever that you're worried about. And um, the other thing is, you know, restrictions fail. I mean, we see it in schools all the time. Schools have amazing protection, but sometimes kids things pop up at school. And so it's never it's not always a hundred percent effective. Right. And so and the again, kids are quick rel- to bypass sometimes the the limits you put in place they're so good at the technology better than me and so it's easy for them to just kind of be like oh that's cute mom we're gonna just go ahead and do this other thing I'm so glad you said that I'm so glad you said that because kids are always going to be one step ahead of us they're digital natives and we are not um you know I feel like I'm constantly learning things how to do it on my phone but if I can't figure it out I hand it to my daughter and she does it in two seconds you know she's always going to be ahead of me and so that is the other thing. Um, and, and the key is to, you know, I meet so many parents and they get overwhelmed because they feel like I have to learn every app, I have to keep up with everything. And I'm like, well, it is important to be on their online platforms. That is important. But at the end of the day, pour your time and energy into the, building this relationship with your kid because that is what's going to save it, save them, right. you know, because when they see something or they, they hear something online, they're going to be like, this doesn't feel right. I need to go tell mom about this or dad about this. And then if you've set it up in your home where you're not going to yell at them or, you know, one thing I tell parents a lot, I mean, my daughter, she's on Instagram. She's seen pornography on Instagram. When she showed me that pornography, the first thing I wanted to do was throw the window, the phone out the window and say, that's it. We tried Instagram. We're not doing it anymore. But what does that tell her? That tells her, don't tell mom when I see something bad online. True. So instead, I set the phone down and I said, I'm so proud of you. You get more phone privileges now. Like, you're showing me things. So, like, instead of, and I know we're getting mad because they're seeing it. 
but we can't get mad at them. If right. they didn't do mad at the world wrong. almost. Mad at the world exactly. for showing. I mean, there's I think you're local to San Antonio and um there's like the big old billboard the for the Brazilian butt lift. I'm like, really? And it's just I mean, anywhere yeah. you go, we're gonna be exposed to these things, even on billboards. I mean, absolutely. I've heard I I, I received calls of kids being exposed at church on the weekend. You know, kids are bringing their phones and showing it. I mean homeschool kids so you know it's this is a problem we are all facing together and I think we need to realize that it's really about making that connection with our kids learning our kids figuring out when they like to talk and it's going to be different for each of your children you've got to figure out when they like to talk what helps them open up and you've got to get in there and you know do that hard work get them talking what would you say to someone who is feeling resistant to this. This is one of the things I've noticed about myself just in in talking to people about this topic. Yeah. Like I get a little bit like poor me, why do I have to deal with this? Like I already have to feed these people, keep them alive and now all yeah. of this. And 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 communication I don't mind, but what what would you say if if someone's feeling a little resistant, kind of like, well, my parents didn't do this with me and so, you know, what what do you say to that? Well, I would say there's been a shift in parenting. I mean, we have to recognize, you know, some of the conversations that I've had with my elementary-aged child, um, I didn't have to have those conversations or have those questions until I was in college. And so it's a different world now. And we can't, you know, we're, we're really the first generation of parents to deal with this. Because, you know, I can't call my mom and say, Mom, what do you think of Snapchat? How should I handle this? Like, I can't do that. Right. She doesn't even know what that is, you know? Well, and somebody was so, just telling me about Snapchat last night. There's so many things I didn't even know about. Something about, like, keeping your, keeping, taking pictures so that you stay, like, current or something like that. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah. I'm sure well, you have. Yes. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a streak. It's a streak. And you get rewarded for it. Um, the Snapchat streets are really popular in high school, and I know it sounds kind of dirty. It's really not. They, I mean, I'm sure there are some kids who use it for bad, but most kids, I would say the majority of kids, um, you know, it's just they get rewarded if they snap every day, and it's just a silly picture or what you eat for lunch or something like that. Um, but it's kind of an addictive thing because what happens is you want to earn the points, and so you get a certain emoji for how many days you're streaking. So with a lot of high school kids, you can say to them, what's your streak number? And they'll say 380 something. Like oh they'll gosh. be able to tell you their street number. Um, but you know, this happened with my, my child. She has Snapchat now, and I don't recommend that as a starter platform. That needs to be for older kids for sure. Um, but she has it now once we've built the trust up. And um, you know, she had to go away to camp. I think it was last summer. And she was worried about her streaks. Yeah, somebody and, told me that you know, this kid went to baseball camp and he got somebody to take care of his phone while he was at camp okay. and continue to so take pictures is, so he wouldn't break his streak. So this is where I'm going with this. So she, she wanted to do that. She said, I want to give my friend my login and have her keep my streaks up. Well, I wanted to be crazy mom and lay down the law and be like, this is stupid. No. But I've learned enough on this journey that I realized that's going to hurt my relationship. It's going to make me so distant from her because she's going to think that I don't understand technology, you know. And so what I said to her was, okay, I get it. You want to keep up your streaks. It's like a little game. You want to earn the emojis. Um, I just want you to think about we're giving somebody your password, and that can never be undone. 
So, you know, want to, what if you get in a fight with this person or what if they post something wrong that you don't agree with? Like you're giving them really authority to represent you for a week. And so do you want that? And so she thought on it for a few days and you know what? She didn't do it. And since then she's not even in the streets anymore. Like it, it was a whole process we just talked through. And I was going to allow, if she wanted to do it, I was going to be okay with it. I was just like, I had succumbed that I was like, I'm not going to take my battles here. I'm going to let her do this. But just talking her through it and letting her see the bigger picture of like what I'm really doing here. You know, I'm letting somebody represent me for a week just because I want an extra emoji and another notch on my streak, you know, counter. And so sometimes they just need to see the bigger picture. I love that. And I love what you said about the relationship being the number one thing and that that's sort of your, it sounds like that's sort of your touch point. You know, what is this going to do to my relationship? And I think I have a lot to learn on that because sometimes I'm, I'm more of like the tough love, like, no, well, that's just dumb. So we don't do that here. Other people do other things and this is what we do. And it's, that's kind of, as I'm thinking about it, kind of a lazy approach. You know, it's just kind well, of. Well, and you know, yeah, there are some things that I will say, well, you know, this is our family rule and other people have other rules and that's okay. Every family gets to decide, you know, like I'll say stuff like that and they do have to have boundaries, but I always am. I'm so glad you brought that point up. I always am thinking, what is this going to do to my relationship with my kid? Um, because a lot of things, when you start creating this kind of culture in your home, you're going to know things about other families and other kids, Like you're going to know the scoop because you're going to hear it all. And you can't gossip about it. You can't spread. I mean, because then your kid is going to be like, I'm never telling you anything again. You know, so you, you really have to think about it. And um, there are there have been situations, we have some loopholes and we have some guidelines in our family. Like if anyone's ever threatening suicide or their life is at stake or they're being cyberbullied, anything like major that somebody needs to know about, we have a process that we report it together. Um, I know a lot of parents who will just get on the phone and call the school counselor and their kid doesn't even know. And what happens is when the kid gets called down to the school counselor and as they're walking down, they're thinking, I'm never telling my parents anything again. Like, why did they have to tell this? And so instead of doing it like that, what I will say to my kids is it is our civic duty to get involved here. And so I'm going to send this email, I'm going to draft it, and I want you to approve it before it gets sent, because you may get called down to the counselor, but this is our duty to help this person. We don't want anything to be hurt. Be hurt by so we're empowering our kids to speak up, but we're helping them and teaching them how to speak up, you know? That's great. And no, you're inspiring me for sure. I'm already thinking, I think well, the oldest one I need to work on. With our kids, it, because they're, they're like she's my safe place. She's not going to go tell anybody everything that I said. And I will tell you, there have been times when my kids will tell me something and I'll give it a day. And then I'll go back to them and be like, we really have to speak up. This is important. And this is what I would like to do. And then we talk through what that's going to look like. And then there are some things that are like, you know, I just stay out of it because it's none of my business and I don't, nobody's threatening, you know, anything like that. But it's a process, and I'm constantly asking myself, is this going to hurt my relationship with my kids or build it up? Right. And it's funny because I know you were mentioning the barriers for you sometimes when you're when you're approaching certain topics about your own childhood. And it's funny because I'm thinking about 
what would that be for me? And I think sometimes it's like my own anxiety. Like talking about this is going to make me too anxious. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, do I really want to know this? You know, and, and keeping information is not always, you know, it's just, it's, it's tricky. Okay. So let me, can I speak into that? Please help me. You're, you're bringing up such great points and you're right on, you're spot on. You're asking really great questions. So when I first realized, when you know, go back to fourth grade when she was nine and all this happened, um, I got really mad and really bitter and really like, what are we going to do? Like, I wanted to pull her out of school. I didn't want her to go anywhere. Like, you know, you just get like crazy. You go into crazy mom mode. And um, I was so afraid. Every night at bed, I would think, what has she been exposed to? What is she not? What have, I mean, what do I need to cover? I mean, we hadn't even covered basic sex yet like the sex the birds and bees talk we hadn't even had that conversation when she got exposed so I had a lot of talking to do um I can tell you now at the end of all this I mean well I'm in the middle of it but five years into it you know I really dug in with her and kind of made up for lost time and building our relationship and now I go to bed and I have no fear what she's going to see online I have no fear what she's going to hear from friends I have no fear when she exposes something because the reality is I know she's going to come home and ask me, and then I get to speak into it. And it has taken all the fear and anxiety away because I built, we've built the culture, you know? And, I mean, there will be times she will get home from school, and she will pull – this is my almost – she's going into high school this year. Last year she was in eighth grade, and there was some big stuff happening. There was stuff she couldn't say in front of our, my son in the car on the way home. But when we would get home, she would pull my hand and lead me straight to my be- bedroom and my bathroom area and shut the door and just, just just go. She would just keep talking. This happened. This happened. This happened. And I would just help her process it. I'm like, it's okay. This is, you know, I would stay calm. Never, no matter what she told me, I never went like, oh, my gosh, this is awful. I just stayed very calm the whole time. Um, now, there were some nights that I would tuck her into bed, and then I would cry to my husband, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, why are we dealing with this? But um, but the fear and the anxiety of what she's going to be exposed to is gone, because I know we're going to be able to speak into it. I know she's going to come home and ask me. Um, um, and that's so, very encouraging that, really that you can make up for some lost time. I'm, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense that, you know, you just maybe have a little catching up to do, but that there's time, there's always time to repair the relationship. And you know what, dig in there because the, one of the first things I did with her when I realized, oh my gosh, we aren't really talking. I have not even covered birds and bees with her. Like I haven't done anything. And now she's asking me these big questions. One night I called in bed with her and all I said was, can you tell me what can I do better as a mom? Like, how can I be better? That's all I asked. And it hurt so much what she said to me, but I think I needed to hear it. She said, Mom, you're not a good listener. You're not a good listener. And, and in my mind, I was getting defensive. Like, do you know how much I juggle? You know, but <laughs> she was telling me I wasn't a good listener, so I was trying to listen. And I said, give me an example. And she said, you know, when you're at the kitchen island and you're unloading the dishwasher and you're making dinner and you're checking your phone and I'm trying to tell you a story and you're nodding your head and you're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like you're listening. But then when we get done, you'll ask me a question. And I, w- I just told you the answer to that if you had listened to my story. 
And she says, that happens to me all the time. Like you're nodding. Yes. And it like hit me. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm the one shutting down the communication in my family. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. And so I made a deal with her that night. I said, listen, can you start giving me a report card? I'm going to come back every three to four weeks, crawl in bed with you. And I want you to tell me how I'm doing on this because I got to get this right. Like you're important to me. Your stories are important to me. Like I want to hear you. I'm just busy. And I, I got to do a better job of managing it all. And so we did that. And that was, that really helped me start building the relationship with her because it showed her, okay, mom didn't get this right, but she, it's important and she wants to get it right. And it just kind of set us on this new path. And I feel like that really was um, an entryway into helping, you know, build this type of culture in our home. I'm totally going to copy you. I'm doing that maybe tonight Do or it. tomorrow. And you know what? <laughs> Be prepared. Be prepared for gut-wrenching My son is pretty direct, so yes, I will be prepared. Actually, that makes me wonder. I was listening to you talk about your daughter. Have you noticed any differences in your own experience or in the people you talk with about sort of creating open lines of communication with boys versus girls? Yeah. So we actually have a radio show coming up tomorrow about the difference between raising girls and raising boys. So that's interesting that you say that. Um, it Yes. And I will tell you, you know, boys tend to, um, sometimes it comes out in anger more. And I don't want to be stereotypical, but, but generally that sometimes happens. And, you know, they're having trouble maybe processing their feelings. One thing that with my boy, I started with this culture with him. He was in first grade. And so... I can tell a world of difference with him. I mean, he tells me everything. And his time is what, right when he jumps in the car, right after school. It's just he and I because we haven't picked up sister yet. And so he just goes a mile a minute about everything. Like, before we're out of the school parking lot, I will know who has said the F word, who has said this, like any new words every day. Um, and so that's kind of cool. But, but I started it really early with him. Um, and the other thing is I found with, with my boy, he's a sports guy. And so sometimes when I feel like maybe something's bothering him and he's not telling me, I'll say, let's go play some b-ball. You want to go play some b-ball or let's go play football in the front yard? Just that connection and pouring time in. Sometimes we sit and play video games together. We do that as well. Like I've learned to play video games. Um, just that connection time, it, it sometimes they just feel closer to us. And then, you know, later on that night or something, uh, sometimes at bedtime, he'll say, after we say our, we say bedtime prayers as a family, and sometimes he'll say to me, Mom, can we have talk time tonight? Like, I need you to call in bed and let's have talk time. And, you know, some nights I'm exhausted, I'll just be quite honest, and, and every fiber of my being wants to say no. <laughs> but when he asks me, I say yes because it's not every night, you know, and if you have younger kids and they want that every night, I say schedule it on your calendar because you can't do it every night and you need to have some alone time with your spouse as well. That's important. So set aside a night. We did that when our kids were younger. It was Monday, Wednesday night, and we would alternate. So Monday night I would be with my daughter, Wednesday night I would be my son, and then my husband would flip flop as well. So, um, but just kind of, I mean, boys are different. And the other thing just, personalities are different you know you've got to figure out when they like to talk what makes them open up 
and it's a trial and error process. But once you find something that works, then that's gold, you know, and then remember that this is our talk time. Uh, last year, I was so worried um, about my schedule was really crazy last year. And I was so worried about when I was going to have individual talk time with my kids because my daughter now likes to stay up late. She'll, um, she's not allowed to have her phone in her bedroom, but after bedtime prayer, she normally stays up and reads in her room or listens to music through uh, an alarm clock. We don't allow her to have her phone in her room. But um, she'll stay up late, and I just I can't stay up late like that anymore. I'm too old, you know? <laughs> so I was really panicked about, yeah, I was really panicked about when am I going to get talk time with her? Like, this is important. I need to. And it was just so weird. I just prayed about it. And I was like, Lord, I just need time. Like, 15 minutes with each kid at some point during the day and you know he just worked it out with my drop-off schedule in the morning it just worked out I dropped my my son off first and then I I dropped my daughter off but we have about 20 minutes in the car where it's just she and I and she's starting to like to talk in the morning so I'm like this just worked itself out but you know it'll change with different seasons and different schedules but you got to just Find your find your group of when you're going to be able to have conversations with them. Good conversations. Yeah, and it's hard to do that in a group. I'm just thinking with my I have three kids, and I'm not often alone with one person. And I that could be yeah. something that could change for the better. You know, just have usually when I'm putting them to bed, we do have that alone time. But you know, I could probably by that point I'm so tired. You know, I know. <laughs> so maybe well, trying to figure that why- out earlier. Or maybe it's breakfast. You know, maybe you have one kid that gets up really early. My son is like that. So I made it a point during the school year, I would get up with him early, and it was just he and I, and we would make breakfast. And it turned into great talk time. Now, he's a screen guy. He loves games. And one of the things that he had gotten into the habit of doing was getting up and checking his video games first thing before he woke me up. And that bothered me a little bit. Um, I love that he has his online games, but the fact that that was the first thing he wanted to do bothered me a lot. And so we talked about it, and I said, listen, um, I know that you want to check your games, but you're creating a habit in your life that you're going to get up and check a screen, the first thing. And I said, when you become a dad and you have a family of your own, you're going to want to go kiss your kids first thing. You're not going to want to check your phone first thing. And so do you see how it's important that we create a healthy habit now so you don't get into this? just checking the screen first thing. So we cut that out. We cut out no screen first thing in the morning. Um, and we, I cut it out for myself, which is hard sometimes because sometimes I'll hear my phone dinging and I'll think, oh, I want to look at it. But it's just we're working towards this all as a family to make sure that we're investing in people more than we're investing in screens, you know? Yes. No, I love that. One of the questions I have just in you talking about your spouse, how do you – suggest people get on the same page with their partner if there's a challenge there this is important and um um, I have a whole chapter in my book about marriage because um you know I would say talk to your spouse about big topics before you present them to the kids if it's possible Um, And I'm, you know, big topics like how you're going to handle the transgender question, how you're going to handle sexuality, um, all these things I cover in my book on how we handle it. Sleepovers is a big one, you know, because sometimes one one parent will be like, yes, any sleepovers fine. And the other one may say, no, no sleepovers because they've had a bad experience at a sleepover as a kid, you know. So you need to kind of talk through this. 
I would say this too. You may not always see eye to eye. And so compromise or make it a discussion in your family. So for instance, if, you know, mom and dad have sat down and they're like, this is how I want to handle the transgender question when it comes up and I want to be prepared for this. And, you know, mom and dad have two different takes on it, you know, what they want to present. Well, then make that a conversation in your home and say, listen, this is, this is how mommy feels. This is how daddy feels. It's just people have different thoughts and reactions to this, and we want to talk it out, and we don't know the answers. We know we're always supposed to be kind. We know we're never supposed to bully. Um, and then and then you can introduce, you know, foundational truths if you want or religious scripture, whatever you want to in- introduce as a family. But you can tell your kids that there are two sides to the story and, and bring that into the discussion. Um, my husband and I, we normally see eye to eye on a lot of things. But even with our oldest, we bring in, like, why people disagree with us on certain things. We'll say, this is why, and I kind of see their point of view, and I get it, but this is why we feel the way we feel. You know, and it doesn't have to be combated. It's just creating a discussion that they need because they need help understanding all these complex issues. Yeah, and it's a great way to train them to be respectful of different opinions, you know, and how to work through that. Absolutely. And it's okay to say, I don't have the answers. I don't, I don't know. I know we're supposed to be, I always come back to no matter how we feel or what we think or, you know, what, what our truth is, we always at the core, we come back to treat each, treat each other how you would want to be treated. The golden rule. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian gal. So to me, you know, I quote that scripture to my kids over and over and over again. It originated with Jesus. And that golden rule is how we live our lives, no matter if we agree or disagree or whatever. And so there's great teachable moments in all of this. I love that. How, how did your faith play a role in your development of this organization? And how, how does it guide your work? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I've had many people tell me that I could sell a lot more books if I took my faith out of my book. Um, and, you know, that was tough for me, I'll tell you, because I wanted, I feel like, Open communication is the key. It is the answer. It is the first line of defense. And I I feel like I've learned that so much and I'm passionate. I want to reach as many people. But, you know, writing the book, my faith is ingrained in who I am and it's ingrained in the conversations that we have. And so to leave that out would not have been real or authentic. And I, I felt like I really needed to be real, exactly how these conversations go down in my house. And so that's what I did with the book. Now, I will tell you, I speak at public schools and uh, community events a lot, and I don't bring my faith into it. I will will share things, um, and I will, you know, most places, I've never had a a venue tell me that I couldn't sell my book. Most places will allow me to sell my book, and I will tell them, now listen, I write from a Christian perspective, so this is how I've handled these conversations. Um, But also at the very, very beginning of my book, I I have a disclaimer and I say, listen, I'm sharing you these real raw conversations that I've had with my kids um, in hopes to help you. You may not agree. You may handle them totally different than I'm handling them. And I just want you to know that that's fine. I respect you. I love you. That's your prerogative. It's your family. It's your choice. But I wanted to give you a guidebook as to be like, it doesn't have to be as complicated as we think it is. You know, it can just be a simple conversation. Um, and so that's kind of how we handle it. So we do non-religious events 
a lot. Um, I speak at a lot of public schools, and I just don't talk about my faith. I talk about, you know, the problem with cyber parenting and the solution of open communication. Um, now, as far as my faith, you know, I talk a lot about talking on the go, and it's a practical approach, and you talk in the car, um, at bedtime, when you're getting up, and when you're going to bed. Um, those are the four key areas that I have found to be most effective in creating talk time. And that came out of right of Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. So that came out right out of Scripture. I found that, and I had read that verse a million times. And one day it dawned on me when God was like, you need to be talking to them more. Like, it, I just felt like I wasn't communicating real-life stuff with them. And when the, I read that verse, it actually says, talk. Um, to your children about these commands I'm giving you. And that's where the word talk came from for next talk and for my book and everything. So it kind of originates there, Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. I love that you stayed true to yourself despite the pressure because that's basically what you're saying is key to this relationship is keeping open communication. And if you're sort of not doing that with your own beliefs, that would... uh Probably not. I mean, p- people feel that, you know, your kids would feel it. It would just not be healthy, I wouldn't think. But I can also see the temptation was, for, you know, to switch it up. There was a, a lot of fear in the beginning about putting it out there, putting the true, like, these are the conversations we're having. Like, I mean, in my sexuality and transgender chapters, I actually have a Q&A. And it's questions that my kids have asked me and responses I've given them. And that was tough because it is like some real tough questions that I've been asked. Um, And we actually sat down as a family and I said to them, you know, some people aren't going to agree with what we say and some people may be mean about it. And that means some people may be mean at school about it. And so are we okay as a family putting this out there? And so it really was a family decision to say, yes, we can share these stories and yes, we're gonna we're gonna be true to ourselves, um, and we love people who don't agree with us. Like it's okay that we may not agree on some things, but it's really teaching them, and they need that skill in life. I mean, I feel like we as adults need that skill. We oh, yes. we kind of we kind of don't know how to do that. No, you know? no, we don't. And it's funny because then we just avoid those conversations, and that's how we end up more polarized, right? Like you stay in your bubble, you just kind of keep with the people who agree with you, and um, I, I well, there's... and I feel. I feel, yes, and I feel like that's what's happening, too. We're polarized, we're debating, we're staying in our bubble, just like what you said, and then our kids ask us a question, and we've got so much anger built up toward the other side that we vent, and then we create anger and frustration in our kids that just doesn't need to be there. Yeah, we probably can't explain it well to them if we only have a very limited set of information from our bubble. Absolutely. 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 That's why, I, you know, I, I love social media. My husband does not. He's not on social media. He hates it. But I joke with him, and I'm like, I love social media, and I love following people on Twitter who disagree with me because I want to hear their perspective, and I want to understand where they're coming from. You know, it doesn't mean that I change how I feel, but I, I am able to love them a little bit better because I understand, okay, they've got this anger and fear in them too, just like I do about what I believe. And it just, I think it just helps the world be a better place, you know, and it's not compromising in who I am. 
Um, it's just learning, learning about people and respecting them and respecting their viewpoints. Yeah, that's one of the things with this podcast that I'm trying to do is just how can we better support each other, better understand each other, better love each other, whether we agree or disagree. It's just how can we still show love and respect? Amen. We need more of that. There's so much mom shaming. I mean, even at the youngest of ages about breastfeeding and bottle feeding. I mean, everything is so polarized. Um, and so, and now you enter cell phones and people are constantly judging when your kids are getting a cell phone and when they're getting certain apps. And I mean, we just all need to realize we're all trying to figure this out. Let's help each other, not tear each other down. You know, um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you in that mission for sure. <laughs> one of the things that I'm glad, um, one of the things that I love about your organization too, is and it sort of goes back to what you're talking about is wor- with working together is that you help people set up groups. Can you talk a little bit about that and about the power that you have seen in the numbers? Yes. So that has been a cool thing. So we started actually, um, once this whole thing happened with my daughter in fourth grade, I started a small group at my church. It was 20 women. It was a summer class. Like I literally was going to share our story and I thought they're going to tell me I'm crazy. Like, you know, it's, what happened was that expanded tremendously. It went from 20 to 200 women in three semesters. Um, it just blew up. And I was getting calls from people from different states. Like, my kid saw pornography at a sleepover. He's six. I am. I mean, all these calls started coming in to me. And I realized, you know, I'm not the only one struggling. And I found strength, you know, when I was at my lowest of lows and I didn't realize how to do this thing, um, I had a several mom friends here in town that kind of helped me they and and one of them had kids um kids who were older really poured into me and so I realized you know there's a lot to be learned from each other there's a lot to be learned from community and even in our core next talk volunteer team we have seven families we don't always do it the same way you know we don't always parent the same way or give the kids a cell phone at the same age you know there's variances in us as well but we talked through it, and there's so much strength in that community. So what we did was we wanted to replicate what was happening at our church with our moms. You know, it exploded into 200 women. We wanted to replicate that wherever people wanted it. Wherever people needed it, they could use it in their home or their church. So we videotaped those meetings. So those meetings that we had at our church, um, we videotaped them, and we made them into a video series. And we, we got up to, I think we're represented, we were represented around six states. Now we're in nine states. We just started a group in Maryland as well. Um, but we, people can use it for free in their homes or their churches. What, how it works is you get video codes and you log into our website and you put in your code and you and three neighbor friends can sit on your sofa and watch this video series. Um, and so what we've done now is we've been recording new video series. So our new and improved video series is coming out in the fall. And how, this is how it differs. Um, the first video series was me basically talking at all of these meetings with a couple guest speakers as well. They were long. They were about an hour. Some of them were even longer than that, the videos. And we realized right away, you know, parents are busy. We need this faster. We, an hour is too long. So we, and, and we also re- realized the dads need a very strong voice in this conversation. And so what we did with our second video series 
it is Kim and I who have our radio show, and we are hosting the series, but our husbands host with us sometimes. Um, other hosts, husbands speak into certain issues like pornography and how they handle certain things in their home. We have this really great screen addiction video that we have a dad and a son talking about how they handle Fortnite and the emotions that go with it. It's just brilliant. And so we brought in all these different voices. So on these videos, they're 30 minutes long. You can hear from dads, our kids, and, of course, the moms, too. And um, they have discussion questions at the end. So you're going to watch the video, 30 minutes. At the end, there will be a, two slides. One slide will have any, if we've given any stats on that video, you'll have the resources so you know where we got those stats. And then the second slide are your discussion question groups. So they're just it's up on your TV. There's no paper involved. And you just then talk through the questions. And so it's a really simple thing. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a leader. You're basically just hosting something in your home, getting a, some group friends together, and watching the videos, and then talking about the questions. That's great. Um, so where do people learn about Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Where do people learn about it? Um, yes. Yeah. Nexttalk.org and class, uh, click on groups. Um, or we, we also have a group leader now, and she's getting all of those. Her name is Melissa Ekstrom. It's spelled a little bit different. It's M-E-L-L-I-S-A-E-X-S-P-R-O-M at nexttalk.org. You can email her directly. Um, but if it's easier, and it probably is, just go to the website, click on groups, fill out that form. That goes to Melissa, and she'll be in touch with you. Perfect. We'll make sure we put a list of the resources that you have available in the show notes as well um, and a link for your book. What's the name of your book? My, the name of my book is Talk. And it is on Amazon. If you go to Amazon, you can type in Talk Mandy Majors and it will pop up. Um, and it is, it is really my journey. Part one is kind of our story and what happened and you know the emotions that went along with it. Part two is recognizing that we didn't have open communication in our family and how I needed to achieve it and kind of the steps that I took to achieve it. And then part three is my favorite part of the book because I wish I would have had it when I was going through this. It's a topic list. So if your kid comes home and says, you know, what is sex? And you're like, oh my gosh, there's a chapter on sex. You go straight to that chapter that night. You read it. You get ready. The next day you can tackle it at breakfast. Um, and so it's a topic list, and I cover anything from screen addiction to, um, I said, sexuality, transgender, dating, love, friends, conflict resolution, um, modesty, all of those things, um, lust, and that's a big one for boys, pornography. Um, and so it's a topic list, and then you can go there when, when you have a, a question. That's great. Well, I'm excited to check that resource out because I am very encouraged by all the work you're doing and just kind of, I feel like often as a parent, you want to do better. You want to sort of open these lines of communication, but it's sometimes hard to know how to start. So I appreciate the tools and sort of just getting started. Well, and, and let me speak to any parents out there that are listening and you may be like, oh my gosh, we're not really talking. Listen, don't beat yourself up. I mean, I was there. I get it. And, and, and you can take a minute to be like, oh, my gosh, I should have done better. But don't get stuck there. You know, just move forward. 
put all your time and energy into creating this relationship. That's where it's going to pay off for you. That's where you're going to lose the fear about what they're going to be exposed to because they're going to come home and ask you. You know, so don't get stuck in the, oh, my gosh, I really messed this up. And also, don't swing the pendulum so far to the other side where you become a helicopter bomb and you're, you know, worried about every text they send or every, I mean, they got to have some breathing room. <laughs> yes. No, you I know? think you're and, very and, good at, at being encouraging. And I feel like this was a good pep talk for me. I'm kind of excited to do this. I don't feel, good. I love the way that you talk about it. It doesn't feel like, oh, parents, you, you're messing up again. You know, it just feels like, hey, here's an opportunity to be better. I'm telling you, the first couple times that I had some big conversations with my kids, I went to bed and I felt so empowered. I, I was looking at my husband like, oh my gosh, we can do this. Like, this is making a difference. <laughs> and it's just so empowering because you're like, why didn't I see this before? You know, I, I don't know why I missed it. I don't know why. But once I realized I was missing it and I was pouring into it, and then I saw this conversation just blossom, and they were able to say what they felt about certain things. Um, even the other day, we, my daughter and I were reading scripture together, and there was a verse she didn't like. She was like, this really bothers me. And I was like, okay, I want let's talk about it. And we did, and we went to different contexts to read it in different ways so we can make sure we were understanding it. But just she knows I'm not going to get mad at her for feeling differently than me or questioning something that I believe in. I'm not going to get mad at her. Like, it's, let's just talk it through, you know? Right. And I feel like sometimes we get so defensive and we just want to defend our beliefs that we just shut everybody else down. And I think that's, it's important for us not to do that with our kids. Yes. No, I'm very encouraged by you. So, and, and can you just tell us about your radio show where we can find that and listen to it and your podcast? Yes. So if you are in San Antonio, we are on every Saturday at two o'clock on AM 630, so you can listen to it there live when it airs. Um, if you miss it or that's not a good time for you, it's on there. Every show gets made into a podcast. So on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Omni, um, and there's another platform that is um, I can't think of right now. You can go to any of those and type in Next Talk, and it's two T's. So it's, it's like Next Talk. Are you ready for the Next Talk? Search there, and it'll pull up all of our list of shows. Oh, I think good. we're on our 70th show, I think. Wow. And you can have all the resources there. Yep. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited to listen. I want to watch the video about the Fortnite. We, we, that's an issue in my house, and I haven't been dealing with it very gracefully. So I'm going to try and get that video. Well, my son loves it. Yes. Loves Fortnite. Yes. And it all... has been a struggle. I will tell you, it's been a struggle this summer. He has more free time on his hands. And so it's a balance. We did a thing in our house this summer. I said, listen, we got to make a deal. Like, I'm going to let you play, but I can't have you getting up and playing right away because I just feel like it's the worst thing right in the first morning. So we either take a walk or do Bible study Monday through Friday. That's our morning routine. And then on Saturday, Sunday, he gets to get up and play first thing just for a little bit. Right. Um, so we, we, but we talked it through. I didn't like lay down the law. I was like, I'm doing this because I don't want you to get addicted and I don't want this to become an issue in your life, but I want you to enjoy it. And yeah. so, you and know, it's just a process. It helps kids also. I, someone was telling me about just sort of almost like managing money. You're managing your time and how, what yeah. choices you're making. And it gives you something to look forward to. You know what? When I was doing research in my book, uh, for my book on the screen addiction thing, 
uh, I read a story about a kid who his mom had always regulated his time on the gaming system, which I think is great as young kids. But as they get older, it really needs to be about them making the decision and you leading them into those conversations so they make the right decision. Um, but he had gone off to college and flunked out because he couldn't turn the screens off because there was nobody there to tell him to shut it, when to shut it off. And so I thought that, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't want my son going off to college and not being able to shut down the screen. So that's when I started creating conversation about him needing to self-regulate. I pulled up some documentaries of some older people who were addicted to screens and, like, literally lost their families, like 40-year-old people losing their families because they were addicted to screens. Ooh, and what's I that documentary? I, I want to I I, show you that. You know what? I'll, I'll try and send you the link if okay. I can find it. I can't remember. I think it was a dateline, but it was really good. Okay. And we watched it together. And I told him, I was like, this is why I just want us to make good decisions. I'm not saying you can't play it, and I'll play it with you sometimes. But I just need you to not be this person. Like, I don't want you to be this dad when you grow up. Like, where you're ignoring your your kids because you're addicted to video games you know the show intervention is pretty good with that kind of stuff too have you ever watched that intervention no i haven't it's so good oh my gosh on i mean it's it's horrifying but it's basically people who have all different types of addictions and sort of how they got there and how their family is staging this intervention and it's just a good warning for kids like this is why i care about this because this is the road it could go down if it's if things don't get checked at the right time. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm always looking for shows that are like that, where it creates conversation about this is why we have guidelines about this in our home. You know, because it makes them see, okay, they're not just trying to be mean. Like, they're trying to protect me and shape me, and, and they get it a little bit more, and they respect the rules a little bit more when they understand the why behind it. Yes. Well, I have loved talking to you. I am very excited about the tools that you have available, and I'm definitely going to check them out. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you were hoping you would get to talk about that you haven't been asked about. Well, I could talk for days on pornography. It's a big deal to me just because, um, you know, it's kind of was my wake-up call. And kids are seeing it at much younger ages than before, and they're getting addicted to it. And, you know, we're seeing a rise of child-on-child sexual abuse because of that. Um, And so I could probably talk for days on that. But I have a separate pornography chapter on that. If you check out the podcast, there's a five series, um, five shows that you can watch on pornography. So just check that out. But that's that's a big thing. It's a big conversation we have with our girl and our boy. Like, it's you know, it's both genders that we need to be talking about there with that. Well, maybe I will read what you have available and maybe we could set up a time to do a a podcast just on that topic once I'm a little bit more prepared and sort of know what questions to ask is there anything just in 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 brief that you would warn people is is it just pay attention to it what is the what is the big takeaway would you say the pornography I would say you know prepare them on how to respond that's what I would say and I know that sounds weird. There's a great picture. There's a great book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And I didn't know the author when I first read it and when I um, had read it to my kids. And it really helped open up the conversation in our home without it being too much. Because I read it to my son in, I think, first or second grade. And um, it was really great. It talks about addiction in general and how there are good pictures and bad pictures. And 
you have um, the thinking part of your brain and the feeling part of your brain. And when you see sometimes a picture where people aren't dressed appropriately, you respond with the feeling part of the brain. But as a kid, you have to recognize that. And then you have to have your thinking brain take over so that you say, no, this is not good for me. It's not good for my heart and mind because it would, it would help me, to, you know, it would cause me to disrespect people and see them as objects. And so I'm going to take that out of my feeling brain and think about it logically and realize that I need to protect myself from this. And so now I know the author really well. Um, we've, we're, we're friends now. And uh, she's been on our radio show. She is part of that five-week pornography series we did on the show. So it's a, it's a great resource. Yes. But I have I it at my house. That. I need to find it. <laughs> it's somewhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would just say, you know, just protect it. T- teach them how to respond to it so that when it happens, they know. And they know also that you're not going to freak out. You know? I mean, I would, I would instill that in your Am I not going to freak out? Am I? I? I think that's the part well, I have to just get tough with myself, right? Don't freak out. Well, that's the thing. You can't freak out in front of your kids. In my book, okay. I call it the parent filter. I okay. call it the parent filter. You're going to be freaking out inside, but you can't freak out on the outside. So I now, need to use my thinking brain, right? Not yes, my feeling brain. <laughs> I, I will tell you, you know, it's a different story when they're in bed and you're with your husband, you know, in bed and you're like crying your eyes out because you're like, I cannot believe we have to talk to pornography with our six-year-old I mean this is happening but this is the world we live in and I say again use all of that fear and worry and anxiety and use that energy to build a relationship with your kid and then they're going to talk to you when it happens okay they're going to tell you yeah all right well I appreciate the encouragement for sure I need it I need it more than I realized just listening to you (laughs) I can tell that it's mama to mama because you asked great questions. Well, thank and you. Were you. Right on point. Thank yes. you so much. So the last question I usually ask people at the end of the um, episode is just when we talk about the family brain, we talk about, you know, caring for ourselves and caring for the other people in our family. And I'm curious what you do for your own self-care just to keep your brain and self healthy. Yeah, well, my husband and I talk a lot about this. Um, I'm a running gal, and so for me, being outside by myself to run, is it just feeds my soul. Like, I just like the quiet. Um, I like to put my headphones in, listen to my music that I like to listen to, and it just rejuvenates me. And it's funny because I know when I haven't had that. And we've been on vacation, and summer has been kind of crazy, you know, with the schedule. And I haven't had it as much, and I've found myself being less patient with my kids. And, you know, crazy mom comes out a little bit more when I get, you know, yell over something stupid or whatever, spilled milk, whatever. Uh, and I can tell. I can just tell them that. Um, I also, since I've gotten really busy with Next Talk and my book and everything, I there are days that I schedule on my calendar that I call them breathe days. And oftentimes it is, I'm just at home and I am working from the computer, but it's shut off from the world. Like I don't take calls that day. I don't schedule calls. I don't go out. I don't have lunch meetings. Like there are just certain days that I just need to be by myself. (laughs) No, I love that. Um, And I'm just an introvert like that. Like I could stay by myself all the time, uh, but that's what refuels me. And so I know that and I've learned that about me. And so the more, time I have and I it's limited because I have two kids and we you know we're busy everybody's busy um but I squeeze it in as much as I can that's great 
I love but asking I, people I just love- it's everybody's different, you know, and it's just I think what you said about knowing what feeds you and refuels you and everybody's going to be different for what works for them. Well, and I think this is, I, I, your question is great because listen, you're not going to have the energy to talk to your kids and pour into them if you're not taking care of yourself. So it's so important. I agree. Well, thank you so much. I love talking to you. I think we're going to have to meet in person one of these days. Um, and you can do it. Good, good. Well, thank you so much. I love all that you're doing, and I love how you're using something that happened to you that wasn't that great and using it for good and using it to help other people. So I think it's amazing, and I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoy talking to you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.